You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Hello and welcome back to Medically Unbiased. We're back with Ron. Say hi, Ron. Hi. <laughs> so we've been talking today before the podcast, and we're gonna just going to kind of pick it up where we were talking about the asymptomatic transmission. There's been some discussion recently and some studies that came out. In fact, one study was posted as recently as yesterday, um, and then another study was posted a few days ago right before Christmas. Um, and if you look at the data, they're saying that there is no asymptomatic transmission of the disease. However, very little or, or very little, if at all. And then it's like digging through this stuff is such a mess because even the CDC posted something that on a study done March 31st, 2020, there was 310 passengers who boarded an evacuation flight from Milan, Italy to South Korea. There were being there were Korean passengers being evacuated back to Korea from Milan because of COVID. Because remember, uh, Italy was hit pretty hard with COVID. So they said that they screened all the passengers before they got on. And they found a total of 11 symptomatic passengers who they didn't allow to fly on that flight. Now, this is back in March, the beginning of the year. And they say that um, 299 asymptomatic passengers arrived in South Korea and were immediately quarantined for two weeks. Now, it doesn't say that they tested them positive. Um, It just says that N95 respirators were provided and passengers were kept two meters apart for physical distancing during pre-boarding. Most passengers wore N95 respirators except at mealtimes and when using the toilet during the flight. How do they know what they were wearing during the toilet? I don't know. I don't even want to know what the camera looked like in there. After an 11-hour flight, almost 300 of these passengers arrived in South Korea, immediately were quarantined for two weeks at a government quarantine facility, which would, (laughs) come on, South Korea, I guess, whatever. Um, They're isolated from one another completely. They were examined twice daily for elevated body temperature and symptoms. All passengers were tested um, by the PCR testing on quarantine day one and quarantine day 14. Asymptomatic patients were those who were asymptomatic when they tested positive and did not develop symptoms within 14 days after testing. Among the 299 passengers, um, six had confirmed positive results of COVID on quarantine day one. So I don't understand. This makes no sense. So how can you say there's 299 asymptomatic passengers? Well, how do you call them asymptomatic when they didn't have COVID to begin with? Because they're not saying that they tested him to prove that he they only had six had concerned uh, on day one of quarantine after they got to their place. They didn't even, so they're trying to say that on a flight, the conclusion says that the study was on the earliest accesses to a, a earliest to assess asymptomatic transmission of COVID on a fucking aircraft. Yet they didn't test them before they got on the aircraft. 
No, because we in March we weren't we didn't have the testing capabilities at that time. I, I, what I, what I'm saying is, so this study has been utilized to push the idea, the premise that asymptomatic transmission is possible. This study and others like it. Yet we didn't even test the people that got on the airplane. And when they got off, of the almost 300, only six were positive. So on day one. Now, are they positive because of symptoms? They couldn't have been positive because of positive testing. Yeah, they tested confirmed positive tests with PCR testing on quarantine day one. But quarantine day one didn't start until after they landed. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's the old argument, right? So if you test positive for COVID and you have no symptoms, mm-hmm. considered asymptomatic, right? Mm-hmm. When exactly did you catch COVID? Some people are saying... COVID's oh, fast. It might have caught you, you say. No, no. I mean, you could have had symptoms 15 days ago. Okay. That you just blew off as, as, as a lot of people have that I've dealt with mm-hmm. that have had mild, super mild symptoms. They called it, uh, they, they said it was more not, how do we explain it? Allergies. That's it. They're like, you know, I just have allergies. I have a little bit of a sniffle. It's no big deal. Okay. So if in your head you have allergies, which a lot of people do, and you're just saying, you're just, eh, it's, it's allergies. But now, it's two weeks now. Those allergy symptoms are, are gone. And now everybody's being tested. You can test for just because you can. And guess what? You test positive for COVID. Does that mean you're a spreader? No. Does that mean that you could have had COVID? Yes. <laughs> you could have been a spreader. Yes. How I mean, you, we just don't know where in the whole process of this having COVID, having the 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 RNA in your blood system, mm-hmm. right? We don't know in the process where it is. Like, is it old or is it coming? Meaning, you have it. You maybe you don't have symptoms today. Maybe you'll have symptoms in three days. Four well, days, but the piece, days. but the PCR test is testing whether you're infectious today. That's what it tests. It doesn't test whether you've been exposed. PCR well, only tests. Have, you can have COVID in your blood. I understand that, but the PCR test does not test that. PCR is a swab in the mouth or the nose, or, you know, back of the nose, back of the throat. Yeah, you could. Yeah. I understand. So you could have it in the system, but PCR isn't going to catch it. If you've been exposed and you're asymptomatic and you were exposed two months ago. A PCR test isn't. These guys did a PCR test in this study. But we've had, but we've had patients right that have tested positive right and continue the pet test positive thirty, forty days beyond when they were I symptomatic. Understand that? That's, that's not what I'm saying here. In, I understand, but that's using the swab in the nose. We we have no other way. I'm to not arguing that. that. I'm saying in this one study, this whole study that was funded by the CDC by our CDC. That's posted on their website, cdc.gov. It shows it's EID Journal, Volume Twenty Six, Number Eleven, is posted November Twenty Twenty. It talks about asymptomatic transmission of SARS-CoV-2 
on an evacuation flight and they explain all the details and the only person that they think potentially experienced asymptomatic transmission is possibly one 28-year-old woman who self-states that she quarantined for three weeks prior to the flight while in Milan, Italy, and then she didn't take public transportation to get to the airport, and then she got on the plane and then flew there. And so they're saying that the only way she possibly could have got the illness is by someone of the six passengers on the airplane transmitted it to her. But none of the of the 300 other passengers or 298 other passengers and what was there like 10 crew members um, and eight medical staff. So that's 18 other people. So that's yeah. 317 people. Six were asymptomatic carriers and no one else got it. So this one person gets it. And the conclusion of this entire study is that it's possible that, that you know, asymptomatic transmission of people to people is plausible. So what did we do? We've locked down, we went on masks, blah, blah, blah. Now there's discussion from out of China and out of a study in the, um, is a British medical journal that talks about the UK's operation moonshot. And they rolled out mass testing for COVID-19. And these guys found that in all of their information, it suggests that there's no transmission between asymptomatic people. Yeah, so they're asking how infectious are people who test positive but have no symptoms? Right. And what is their uh, contribution to transmission to live virus? Right. So, live virus, right. Yeah. And this was published just seven days ago. So... They're asking the what we do know and what we don't know, which is a great question to ask because I don't think people are asking the what we don't know. They're just making wild-ass assumptions about things. Yeah, yeah. Everything everything that we're seeing right now with lockdowns and everything is not science-based at all. Well, it's science-based on the knowledge we had in February and March of 2020. Yeah, but it has changed. We know this. Yeah. It has changed, but we haven't changed our like you function. You can't say that, you know, closing bars at 10 p.m. <laughs> is scientifically based off of a study that was done that showed an increased number of COVID patients out beyond 10 p.m. Right. or sending them home. It's okay for them to congregate in a room six feet apart up until 10 p.m. Like, n- that makes no sense. The thing that doesn't make any sense is having a outdoor dining area where you can eat because you cannot eat indoor. Like, okay, you're not going to catch COVID under a tarp. That, <laughs> that makes no sense either. Right. But, but government, local government, is dictating to what they think should be the right and fair way of everyone to live. Well, here, here's the thing in this podcast, though, we've been saying this in this podcast that, yeah, it's mostly airborne. That's probably how it's transmitted. And we already know that the masks that we currently wear are not going to stop airborne. I mean, we see the COVID numbers going up. 
Now, if they can say that, you know, 90% of these COVID numbers are all asymptomatic, I just don't know what the number, I don't know what that breakdown is. Well, here's what's even more funny is that, so in Nevada, since I'm in Nevada, it says here that today we logged fewer than 1,000 coronavirus cases um, for the first time in nearly two months. So normally you'd be like, oh, good, you know, less cases. Because honestly, case count to me isn't important. Um, death count is way more important versus case count. Yeah. But the head of state or the head of the state's COVID-19 response said that the holiday is clouding the numbers. So in other words, even though the numbers are better, the holiday is clouding it. Now, three weeks ago, they had said that Christmas is going to increase the numbers. Christmas will increase all of the information and more people will be sick because we're all yeah, going to go kill grandma. It wouldn't be on Christmas though. It'd be three weeks out. That's fine. So you're saying in three weeks, grandma's going to die. Uh, I'm saying first off, they didn't log any data on Christmas day. Correct. Everybody was home. Well, nobody was yeah. working. Nobody was. Well, there was someone working. There's some nurses in the hospital. Yeah, well, for the reporting of who's died, who's got it, that stuff did not get transmitted or uploaded on Christmas Day. Right. Or that whole day. And for a 1,000 cases today, I don't believe it. I think no. it's way more than that. I just, I just I don't feel believe that. So why, why does it have to be more than that? I think it is. I think because there's more people testing. Like I told you, listen, there, there are people that are, having to go they want to go on they want to fly somewhere right so they're being told go test because you're going to be flying to say chicago or, or mm. wherever they they want you to test before you go on your trip right and these people are going on their trip and they're getting tested and guess what they're they coming back COVID. positive mm. yeah and asymptomatic they're completely, they're completely asymptomatic they didn't even know they had no idea in fact they went to prove that they didn't have it <laughs> yeah that was they the whole purpose yeah, that that's the whole. So I think people are absolutely getting tested because it's it's readily available for anybody to be tested. It, you and I can go up to the testing center at any time. We don't need a physician's note to tell us to go there. We can just go get it done. Mm-hmm. There's too many people. That, that's the other problem. There's too many people that say, well, my my kids have a sniffle. So I went and got them tested. But while I was there, I got tested. Yeah. Oh, and I'm positive and he's not like, I don't, what upsets me is why aren't they looking at the people that are in the family? Like, that's great. You know, okay. Uh, asymptomatic people don't transmit within the family. Why is that? Well, right. No, that makes sense. But I mean, that number was 0.7 according to the, one of the studies from, from the uh, American medical association study. Well, it was not really a study. It was more like they looked at a bunch of different studies. So it's a meta-analysis of all the studies. Yeah. Would the information be better for us to say, okay, out of all the testing, who's positive? Wouldn't it be better to hear who's positive versus, I mean, not positive, who's who has symptoms versus who doesn't? Like they should break that down. No, I don't even think I don't even think that matters. 
to me. If you have 5,000 positive cases, but only 500 are symptomatic based on the study that we're reading. Mm -hmm. And that number of, of potential transmitters is quite low. Correct. No, that makes sense. I get that. Well, I'm just laughing at this article from the Las Vegas review journal that says that 85% of licensed hospital beds and 75% of ICU beds in Southern Nevada were occupied. doesn't say who they're occupied by. <laughs> just says they're occupied. Well, guess what? This same time last year in Nevada, 100% of those beds were occupied. There's always a 100% ICU occupied bed. Yeah. And we, we need to explain this, too, to the listeners out there that don't live in Nevada. You know, we do get an influx of people coming from colder states that come to Nevada. Yeah, Michigan, and, Illinois, they all come here for the winter because they don't want to shovel snow back home. Yeah. So they're bringing whatever flu bug they have. Or they're normally older and capable of living in two different states. They don't have a job. They're retirees. Yeah. And they come with their heart disease, their cancers. They, I mean, none of that stuff stops just because they left their hometown and they're here now for the winter. And of course we have the increase of people visiting, gambling, seeing sporting events, those kind of things. Those will increase your numbers as well. You know, that spread can can go out. But we usually operate at almost a hundred percent capacity in an ICU in this. And every hospital I've ever been in here, we operate at almost a hundred percent capacity. Especially wintertime. Especially wintertime. So for them to say that we're operating at 75% of ICU beds, I say, where are the sick people? (laughs) Because to me, that's, well, first of all, you and I both know that I would, I think that the number of surgical cases, elective surgical cases that take up an ICU bed post-surgery, open heart, you know, that kind of stuff that that automatically are assigned an ICU bed, are not being done in the numbers that they were being done last year at the same time. I agree. So if if they're not taking up that ICU bed, that's why that ICU bed's sitting empty. Because some, you know twenty five percent of the ICU beds are accounted for based on same day or you know procedures, right? So if you got yeah. an open heart patient, they need an ICU bed post surgery. Yes. Yeah, transplant patient, which we don't do a lot of transplants here. I think you don't see those kidneys, but that's it. We don't do transplants, so but they would need an ICU bed post surgery. You know, neurosurgery. A lot of them need ICU beds post surgery. So that being said, those procedures are less. So I understand why the numbers that way. But then to say that to freak the average, the average person doesn't know that we operate on a hundred percent capacity. No, they don't. I mean, I come across people all the time. They're like, "How bad's the hospitals?" Same. It always they're, is. It's, it's steady. It's not, we're not at max capacity. Uh, it's a different type of patient now, right? But see, this I mean, this discussion never happened before because no one cared. Yeah. So there was never a question as to whether or not the hospital had enough beds. But it's funny because the people who went to the hospital, and if you're out there and listening to this and you've been to the hospital at any point in time into the ER and you've waited for an admission to a bed upstairs, that's because the hospital was full. There wasn't like an empty space for you. They weren't like, oh my God, thank God Billy's here. We could put him in a room now. I'm glad he got hurt. Yeah. 
No, there was no space for you at the inn. <laughs> you know, but the difference is, and what he's implying, what the review journal is implying, is that it's filled with COVID patients. Yeah, they're that's making that implication, but that's bullshit. I mean, I'm not saying there's no COVID patients there. That's not what I'm saying. But a hundred percent of the patients that are in the ICU are not COVID patients. That is true. That's a true statement. That's a true statement. Now, what is not in the hospitals that I haven't seen? Influenza. True. Not there. Now, I don't know if it's not there because they're not testing for it. No, we've tested for it in our hospital. I've had a couple patients with it. I know we, the argument is that people, people are telling me or are talking to me about it and saying, well, you you know, they're not testing for it because they'd rather see the, a positive COVID come across because they get more money. I I can tell you right now that we're not looking for positive COVID patients to fill up our beds. No. You tell you that right now. That is not what any hospital is looking for. Oh, let's only test for COVID. Yeah. Because we get more Please find me more COVID patients. No. No. Although, don't get me wrong. I had a patient the other day in the hospital that everything pointed to COVID, right? So... The CT of the lungs were ground glass opacities. He was short of breath. He was having some chest pain. Um, D-dimer was mildly elevated in the absence of pulmonary emboli. And COVID negative. Three times COVID negative over the course of three days. And everything points. All the empirical data without the test points to COVID. So if you compare a COVID patient's chest x-ray and chest film and a CT scan next to his, and like they overlay each other, they look pretty similar to COVID, right? You would say, oh my gosh, COVID. You wouldn't just say emphysema from smoking cigarettes for his whole life. You'd say COVID. However, multiple testing three different times showed not positive. And I was sure that he was positive. I'm, yeah, I'm sure the infectious disease physician that's on his case, because I'm sure there is one, mm-hmm. is probably saying, yeah, keep him isolated because he... Oh, yeah, he was isolated. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the reality of it is it, it'd be more likely to be false negative than it would be to be false positive. But I can't I believe there'd be three false negatives over the course of different days, administered by different people. I mean, same test, right? Same manufacturer of testing at the same hospital. However... It wasn't the same person doing the test, so it wasn't like you could even count it into user error or like a new person not swabbing appropriately. Like you couldn't do any of that. This was three different tests showed negative. So I, I have a hard time believing that the test was even an 85 or 70% test would over three times. I would think the error rate, I don't know the calculation on that off the top of my head, but I would think that would give you a better predictor of possibility of positive you should see at least one of those be positive it was just weird but i don't know if the tests were really made to be mass distributed for this type of testing like i don't think it was designed for that so you can't i mean say no against that guy and say yes against everyone else in the hospital because then you have to say that all the yeses are also negative they're all false yeah you can't just say only the negatives are false then that's not fair either no, so well, it's that, either false or it's, it's either yes or but no. That, well, that may, is that the asymptomatic, the asymptomatic positive? But I mean, is he po- he's not positive. Something. The test shows he's negative. 
I'm saying, though, is the asymptomatic positives really positive? Meaning, is it a false positive? That's the other question, absolutely. Because if you look at him, he's symptomatic with shortness of breath, a cough, and the CT was ground glass opacities in the lungs. I mean, you could see it on CT. And looking at it, you go, oh, you just diagnose it from the CT, COVID, right? Yeah. No, but I've had radiologists Call. diagnose COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They put him under isolation for COVID protection, you know, COVID isolation. However, every test was negative. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So just like, you know, just like I've, we've had patients were positive COVIDs, asymptomatic, four weeks, five weeks post symptoms. Mm-hmm. You think, well, shouldn't shouldn't have gone. Well, obviously, if you're testing and you're getting a positive, they they still have it, right? But are are they carriers of it? Meaning, are, are will they spread? Is it shedding virus? Are you shedding Correct. viral load? And here's or the not. well, and we know that that PCR test. I don't have the data in front of me, but I remember the data said that after so. You have to amplify the test. So you take the test, and it's, I kind of tried to describe it to my wife as like an EKG with low amplitude, right? So if I heard like a, a song with a really low, like a whisper on a voice recording, and I want to know what the peaks and valleys in that, you know, algorithm are. So in order to see those, I amplify it. So if I double it 25 times, because it's really, really low, I get the peaks that I want. And they're saying that the PCR test, if you double it up to 25 times, amplify it 25 times, excuse me, amplify it 25 times. I don't know that's doubling it or just amplifying it 25 times itself, right? Yeah. Because doubling it 25 times would be, you know, itself to the 25th power. I don't think it's the same. So my math again, it's Monday night and I'm tired. So math is not my strong suit right yeah, now. Yeah, no, no. But so if you amplify it 25 times, it's accurate. The testing is accurate. The minute you go to 26, it starts to fall off. And some of these PCR tests are being amplified 32, 35 times to get results in the lab. So the positives, like you said, some of the are false positives are based on the amount of times that the PCR is amplified. And the higher, the, the more the amplification past 25, the more likelihood that the positive result is false. So that asymptomatic transmission of COVID-19 mm-hmm. in the BMJ mm-hmm. has a really good, I'm just going to read a little section here. It says the relations between viral load, viral shedding, infection, infectiousness, and duration of infection, infectionness are not well understood. In a recent symptomatic review, or excuse me, in a recent systematic review, no study was able to culture live virus from a, from symptomatic participants after the ninth day of illness, despite persistently high viral loads in quantitative PCR diagnostic tests. However, cycle threshold values from PCR tests are not direct measures of viral load and are subject to error. While viral load seems to be similar in people with and without symptoms, 
the presence of RNA does not necessarily represent transmissible live virus. The duration of viral RNA shedding interventional between first and last positive PCR results for, for any sample is shorter in people who remain asymptomatic. So they are probably less infectious than people who develop symptoms. Correct. That, I mean, that explains what you were trying to explain pretty clearly to me. <laughs> well, yeah. But does it, <laughs> if, does I'm, it if, if I'm, if I'm the, else? if I'm the, um, what's, what is the term? If I'm the audience ombudsman. <laughs> well, here's the thing. What it, what it basically is saying is that they, they still have no idea. Right. Uh, they don't. They they, they don't know whether well being understood. being if having symptoms versus not having symptoms that you're more or less infectious. That's just presumed that you're less. Yeah. Without symptoms, right? So yeah, in the JAMA network, right? Yeah. So JAMA had this article posted December fourteenth, and it talked about household transmission, and they said that they looked over 54 studies with 77 plus thousand participants. And they talked about secondary transmission within a household. Now this is, this is assuming that the person was because they found to be positive for COVID and was told to quarantine at home. Okay. So person goes home to quarantine, but there's family members or other people living in the home. And they found that, the symptomatic patients that went home to quarantine with symptoms, there is an 18% likelihood that they would infect somebody else in the house. Asymptomatic patients showed a 0.7% likelihood to infect somebody else in the house. Hmm. Now, this just talks about people in the same house. They did not... (laughs) So... It's a lot different if I'm sleeping next to my wife and I infect her because I'm laying in the same bed and, you know, asymptomatic, but I'm laying next to her all night long, as opposed to my grandma has her own bedroom in the basement or some (laughs) shit and my bedroom's upstairs and she has, you know, and we don't, we're not hanging out, right? So they didn't define the closeness or the proximity or how frequently someone's next to the person. They're just in the same house. But this is America. We have McMansions. People have the fucking same house and don't see each other for four days. McMansions. You know? Well, seriously, there's crazy homes that have, you know, someone has their own entrance to the to their bedroom or something and never goes yeah. in the rest of the house. So who's to say that that's... I mean, they're doing these studies, but they're, la- they're lacking a lot of detail. Yeah. And they're leaving it open for interpretation. And I don't like that. I mean, to me, it's missing the most important thing about um, the data. You know, they're not even saying, was it? So they do break it down a little bit in the say that um, adult contacts, but what does that mean? Like buddies that are sharing an apartment? Friends are sharing apartment adults, or is it, you know, adult contacts, boyfriend, girlfriend? Yeah, no, that's the problem we're having. We're having a problem of of anybody can interpret any of this information and and manipulate it to spin their own agenda. 
right. on, on how we should be living our lives. You know, right. Uh, listen, if I came in back and said, Hey, I'm asymptomatic. If I keep test positive, I'm asymptomatic. I'm fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. We're all fine. But there's, there's little, it's not like there's no proof. There's some proof, but the, the, the data is so skewed that it, it's hard to really narrow it down because they emit in the beginning of the, at least in the beginning of this BMJ. And I'm sure they probably do in most of them that they really don't have a really good idea about the infectious rates and who's, who really is getting it and not if it's, you know, if you're positive or negative or whatever. Yeah. And we're, and we see as clinicians, we see out there, we see people that are symptoms that are positive for sure, but testing negative. And now we, we obviously are seeing because they're doing tests on people that are, have no symptoms, but are testing positive. But once again, you know, there's no viral load there, supposedly. Right. For those asymptomatic people. Well, and these guys go even further and they talk about household contacts versus family contacts. And they define household contacts as anyone living in the same residence as the index case, meaning the person that was infected. And family contact is any of the family members of the index person, index case, but they don't necessarily have to live inside the house. It's, but, but did they get it? Huh? Meaning, have they transmitted it to the people that don't live inside the house but are part of the family? Um, they, I don't see that data, but it doesn't mean it's not in here. Um, I just haven't read and that part of the data. Catch this, did they catch this disease after 10 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because Corona is a woke virus and it's infectious after 10 and everyone's home, right? Because the quarantine. Or whatever the woke, the woke it's a woke, it's a woke virus. virus, dude. I'm telling you. Now listen, I I don't I don't con I I hate the coronavirus, right? It's unfortunate. You know, we talk about deaths, and there have been quite a few deaths of this disease. Absolutely. And it's on top of all the other deaths that are going on in this planet or on this planet mm-hmm. with cancer and flu and you know drinking and driving health suicide rate is increasing there there's a lot of people dying but unfortunately this is another subset of deaths that last year didn't exist correct you know does but, it mean that we should lock everything down does but it i said mean the, that i said should... at the beginning of this whole pandemic that we're just going to shift the numbers yeah so in, so instead of people dying from heart disease or cancer or stroke or diabetes or complications from a different respiratory illness, COPD, ARDS, we're going to shift the numbers to COVID. So are you saying then there won't be as much Meaning the the other numbers potentially could decrease where COVID would increase, which means the deaths would all be the same. Yeah. So, in a sense, my my hypothesis early on in this thing was that the that the numbers, the total death numbers in the U.S. would be similar, not necessarily specifically, you know, three hundred thousand more. Like we wouldn't account for three or four hundred thousand more deaths than other years 
we're just shifting the data. Yeah, there was a there was a study. I think we talked about it a few episodes back about how the actual deaths of true and only COVID was much lower than the total number of deaths of COVID that's being reported. Meaning if you had a hundred thousand people die of COVID when they actually pulled the numbers, 10,000 of those people. And these, this is just example. This is just hypothesis right now. It's out there. Mm. 10,000 of those people were actually true COVID deaths. No, 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 but no, we went over that because that's not fair because when we write it, when I write a death certificate, which I don't write, but I mean, if the doctor writes the death certificate, I report it and the doctor signs it. Right. So I'm reporting everything that they had on the death certificate that contributed to their death. And the numbers in that study that you're quoting talked about how only 18% of all of the deaths that reported had only COVID listed. Whereas I'm listing, so if it's a morbidly obese person with diabetes and heart disease and had COVID, I'm listing obesity, heart disease, and COVID, and diabetes probably as well. On that death certificate, if they show up and they're in respiratory arrest or respiratory distress and they have a high dimer and I don't have time to CT them for a PE because we're tubing them and getting them trying to save their life and they die, and I just say, you know, respiratory arrest, COVID, heart disease, like we're going to list all that stuff. So the fact remains that all of this stuff is causal. None of it's singularly causal to have COVID be the only thing that caused the death is more rare. Everyone seems the most people that die had some other. Sure. And you're talking people 80 and older. There's a lot of 80 and older here. Yeah. Absolutely. They they could have had some other they could have had some other disease that they weren't aware of. That right. Make, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So like one of one of my coworkers, they have a cardiac condition, PFO, now that they found, but the only way they found it was because they had COVID. Mm. There you go. Okay. So if if they would have passed away, there was no other symptoms unless mm-hmm. they would have done an autopsy, right? And probably not have. They would have. They most likely would have had on their death certificate COVID only. Yeah. There, no, but because of the aftermath of COVID, this particular person has increased heart rate. You know edema, right? All this stuff and finding out that they had a PFO. Oh, wow. That okay. Did not now, been seen for a long time ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, yes, you're going to get COVID. And if you do get COVID, you, you might find out that you have some other issues. <laughs> yeah. And that, right. that sucks. So, but hopefully, you know, hopefully this vaccine, this vaccines and stuff can limit, you know, I think, and a lot of people with this whole vaccine thing, I think a lot of people go, well, I get the vaccine. I'm good. No, you're not. In my opinion, just like you get the flu shot, just because you get the flu shot doesn't mean you're not going to get the flu. Well, I, they say that the studies seem to show that if you get the vaccine, you're less likely to much less likely to get 
COVID, or if you do get, you'll have much less symptoms from it. But then I read somewhere, I can't find the study up. I was looking for it a second ago, but I read somewhere yesterday, the day before that if you've had COVID and recovered from it, you're much less likely to get it a second time. Yet I've heard of people that have had it four times. Yeah. So people have got caught it more than once, mm -hmm. but, but, but here's the thing. And this is what I, I think it was Joe Rogan. He had a physician on a couple of weeks ago, you know, and basically what he was saying was, it, it's eliminating the, so your survival rate of COVID is based on the total population is 99%. Mm-hmm. And with the vaccine, that it's that 1%. So that 1% of people that catch COVID potentially could pass. Right. So you're eliminating with the vaccine, you're eliminating that 1% per, that sent down to 0.9 or 90% effective, going from 1% to 0.1% of potentially passing with COVID symptoms. So in the big scheme of things, you know, 1% of 350 million people is 30, what, 35 million or three, no, three, three and 500. Mm-hmm. And now you've just reduced your, those 0.5 million people that would have, if there was no vaccine, if everybody caught it, everyone being equal, meaning everyone catches it. Yeah. 3.5 million people would perish. But with the vaccine, 350,000 people would only perish versus 3.5. Yeah. That's all. You're just eliminating, which is a huge number, even yeah. though you're saying, oh, it's, you know, that's 0.9. It's it's quite big. No, it is. Compare it to the rest of the United States. Now, if you compare it to the rest of the world, it's, it's huge. Well, here's, again, we've talked numerous times about the, the fact that data is so skewed and hard to find and not accurate. Like there's no repository for accurate data anywhere. It seems so USA fact checkers though, find the correct data. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so USA today posted, um, the 22nd of December, they posted an article that says that the U S is on track to see more than 3.2 million deaths this year which would be 400,000 more than 2019, right? Which ironically is the COVID number of deaths, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that number correlates to the amount of deaths of COVID. So they're saying in this article posted a few days ago, six days ago, that that we're on track to see 3.2 million deaths. However, the CDC who tracks death rates states that as of December 23rd, there's 2,851,438 deaths, meaning that we would have to, 400,000 people have to die in the next seven days. Oh, that ain't going to (laughs) happen. Right. But I'm saying each year the number increases of total deaths, but they're saying deaths from all causes on the CDC's website, all causes is... 2,851,438 2,851,438 deaths. Yeah. So it sounds like USA Today did this. They took last year's death total and then they added the COVID deaths. Correct. Which, Which but that, but they did that on the day before this was posted from the CDC and the CDC keeps track of it weekly. 
So they just had to look at the CDC's numbers and show that it wasn't the, that wasn't the case. Which kind of proves your point of, you know, the de- the total deaths overall don't really increase so much with COVID because these deaths probably would have happened at some point in the 12 month period. Meaning yes. if there were 2,800,000 people that have died so far, CDC or whatever mm-hmm. the number was, you just rattled off. Mm-hmm. Then there's no way you can tack on the 400,000 COVID deaths because that's already in the 2.8. Correct. That's deaths from all causes. So currently it says deaths from all causes this year up to December 23rd, right? So that's 2.851 million. And last year's number is 2.854 million. And normally we have about a, you know, five to 10% increase annually because you've got more people, right? So, yeah. More people equals more death, and we're growing every year. So we or, should or see. The, yeah, or the population is obviously getting older. That baby boomer is getting mm-hmm. up there in their age. Right. They're going to they're gonna eventually die off at some point, and there's going to be a lot of them doing it. Right. But then, so the problem is, is nobody accounts for any of that shit. They just say, oh, the death rate's higher, lower, or indifferent. But you don't account for the fact that a lot of the baby boomers smoked <laughs> and have heart disease and, you know, cancer. Yeah. Is a big thing for them. They all smoked cigarettes. It was yeah. a normal function of their world. Doctors smoked in the hospital, and you smoked on airplanes flying across the country, and everyone smoked in church. Like, it was a normal thing. You smoked everywhere. Yeah. Back I mean, you, you just watch old shows. People are lighting up their cigarettes on a plane. Right. I, I, bought, mean, I bought smokes for my dad from a vending machine as a little kid. So I'm saying everyone smoked. Yeah. But that's food for that's food for thought. Um, medically I'm biased. <laughs> I mean, all we're trying to do is pull some for you, have you stand kind of where what we're thinking, and just kind of say, okay, it doesn't make sense. Like, are the govern are the government officials that are talking to us getting their data from the same sources we're pulling our data from. Does their actions make sense? I I have a hard time thinking it does. I, I mean, I don't have an answer. I'm not going to tell you that we shouldn't have gone on lockdown or not gone on lockdown. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know where we could have been. If nobody was ever wearing masks, would we still be at the same number? Would the hospitals be inundated? But there is one thing, you know, talking about hospitals, Tyler, that came up in a conversation with one of my friends. Okay. Which I, I didn't really think about, and maybe we should think about it. We are sending people home that are positive COVID patients. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And nine times out of ten, these people are requiring oxygen. Are they? Yeah. Quite a few, actually, are going home on O's. Okay, but I'm not so, talking. That's that's addition in addition to the asymptomatic, asymptomatic patient. That's an well, addition not, to that. Yeah, we're talking positive patients that have some. Listen, they don't so, want to be in the hospital, but they're not sick enough to be in the hospital. Yes, they need some oxygen. They'll just to hold them over, and all that. So we're just talking about 
these patients that are, you know, having uh, their, so the concerns that I'm having with them are if they're going home on oxygen, do we have enough oxygen canisters for these patients? We came across a issue this past weekend where we had patients in, we had patients that were, that couldn't be discharged home because they were waiting for oxygen tanks to be distributed to them, but there was none. The facilities we reached out to had no oxygen tanks because they were all used no, or that, sent out. They're ta- I saw that the other day in the newspaper, or not in the newspaper, an article, maybe it was a medical journal, that said in California they're really concerned about lacking oxygen. They're running out. Yeah. Hospitals are running and, out. The the hospital the hospitals have the all the people that they're sending home on oxygen you know it really came up this weekend at our hospital we we had patients that could have been discharged but there was no oxygen tanks to be had oh wow they didn't have them mm-hmm. and you know I I don't there there are some things obviously that we're going to go through that we're going to think about after the fact I mean once we get into twenty. 2021, we really can sit here and say, wow, hindsight is 2020. (laughs) Right. Right? Hindsight will be 2020 for sure. Absolutely. So that's one thing that I saw come up. No, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, we're going to talk here in a minute about some other kind of things that nobody's focusing on. And I guess I say nobody as in it's not happening, but there's people focusing on it. It's just that the idea of COVID seems to overshadow other problems. And I think we've gotten yeah. so wrapped up in COVID that we've neglected as a medical community, we've, we've neglected other stuff. And that's just across the board. I don't think that's, you know, I work in cardiology, so that doesn't mean I've stopped worrying about heart disease and, you know, cardiomyopathy and high blood pressure and everything else. But I do think in general, COVID has negatively affected other parts of the medical world and other parts of society and as a whole. So we'll discuss that here in just a moment when we come back from break. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's do it. Medically unbiased. So you hearing some weird stuff in my microphone? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because I'm fat, and fat people make weird sounds in their microphones, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, not now. I don't hear it. Well, you know, I'm I'm drinking my my fuzzy beverage, my happy my happy beverage. I know, it looks good. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta have something a little toddy to get through the evening. <laughs> yeah, well, hot toddy. Um, not hot toddy though, folks. Just right. so you know. Yeah, I'm, not I'm I'm broke. I can't afford that stuff. It's like it's a cold, 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 
<laughs> cool toddy. Um, so did you know that drug? Well, I was going to say drug overdose deaths in the first half of 2020 is compared to the first half of 2019 were up 31%. Yeah. It's horrible, dude. They're saying 81,000 people have died between May of 19 and May of 2020. Uh, it's from drug overdose deaths. It's absolutely noticeable. I notice it every day, almost every day when I go to work that somebody's in there for some issue, problem, you know, they don't want to be on this planet. And it's it's a struggle, dude. But the now, question I have is, did COVID contribute? Did lockdowns contribute to this? Did loss of jobs, loss of income, loss of freedom contribute of to the increase in dose? Well, I hypothesize that it did. I haven't asked the dead people whether it did or not. Well, there's no other explanation because what does it give you for children? Does mm. it give you numbers breakdown for children? Because that would be if there's an increase in children because they are the most social. Children are social. Yeah, things. crazy social. And they're social in different ways, though. They're, we highlighted that uh, last week or the week before on our podcast with your with your daughter. Correct. And with my son, right. who hates being online and being online in school, is miserable yeah. to enough that, you know, he, he, I don't, now I'm being a dad, I don't think he would try to do something to hurt himself, but you, you don't know. I mean, they're they're venting. Right. They feel miserable about it. And it's not because I'm not here spending time with children. Well, I am. it's funny you ask that question because according to the JAMA Network study um, in a survey that was done by the CDC, JAMA Network posted it on their, or posted it on their website. Yeah. 13% of the respondents said that in late June, they started or increased their use of substances to cope with the pandemic-related issues of stress and the emotions associated with the pandemic groups were more likely to do so included young adults. So nearly a quarter of those were aged 18 to 24. They account for, they said 21.9% were Hispanic, 18.4% were black. Um, and there's ironically 24.7% were quote essential workers and 32.9% were unpaid caregivers for adults. Hmm. So, they don't they 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 did not say anything before 18 no which i would think that that number has to be up well yeah it probably is has to be up i would think it would be but still a quarter of those total deaths from suicide right is it suicide no just drug overdose drug Drug. It doesn't say intentional versus unintentional. It just says drug overdose. Our eighteen twenty four. Yeah. Where are they going to go? They were told. You know, these are these these kids that are out there that are, you know, they're at the clubs and they're hanging out with their friends. And Recently graduated and starting their life yeah. and going to college, yeah. which is shut down. Which they didn't graduate. 
Well, they graduated. They didn't have a ceremony. Yeah, no ceremony. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. They didn't graduate in the sense of a graduation. They had no ceremony. Now they're doing drive-bys. <laughs> Not shooting drive-bys. They're doing drive-by graduations. Oh, good. Thanks for clarifying. You're welcome. But that's what they're doing. It's different. It's awkward. And unfortunately, I feel sad for the kids that are graduating because you know for the last year they didn't get anything in school. There's no way that they learned anything since March to the end of the year. How dare you? They learned stuff, okay? Just kidding. No, they didn't. <laughs> they they want to pass. They want, you know, they want to pass everything and, you know, and we can talk about it a little bit more as far as, you know, the way this whole thing is developing for for the kids, you know, this whole pandemic. Well, I think it, what, not just kids, but just overall drug overdose, right? So I listened to a conversation last night between a very staunch Republican, ex-Navy SEAL, pro-Second Amendment guy, and a very staunch liberal does not like guns and wants to eliminate them. And I listened to this argument trying to learn both sides of the argument. And what I found was that the 2A, the Navy SEAL guy, the Second Amendment guy, was using statistics um, of different victimology to support their position. But the liberal was using the reasons for the death in other words, drug use was mentioned in the conversation between those two gentlemen. And drug use was viewed as more deadly than gun violence or you know mass shootings even over the course of the last year. And the liberals said, but drug use is a person's... They did that to themselves. They chose to do drugs. They made that decision. They paid the consequences for it. Mass shootings happened to somebody that they didn't want to have happen. They were just doing their own thing, having a good time at a, you know, at school, or they were at a concert, and then someone opened fire and killed them. So, so were they? They were. So, it sounded like liberals were justifying the drug use because they they caused harm to themselves. Well, they were explaining it away yeah, as if to say. That wasn't as important because these people did it to themselves. The drug use, even the increase now, I believe they would argue, is not due to lockdowns. They would say, well, they're the ones addicted. They had, they're doing it to themselves. Man. And I think that's an unfair statement because I think a lot of the drug utilization and drug use is directly related to access and the amount of overdoses and the amount of things being used is related to access, right? So they've shown that fentanyl coming in from China, since we locked our borders down and we locked things down in Mexico, China was able to, f- to push fentanyl into Mexico in higher numbers. And then Mexico was able to bolster their heroin and their methamphetamines with fentanyl coming out of China. Wow. And then they were able to push that into the U.S. 
And so the drugs were more potent and then people were dying as a result. Yeah. Of I the drug totally, use. Yeah, I could say, well, think about it. If you were a drug user and you were getting your life in order and you had worked on getting off the drugs and you had, and you're, you have a good job, you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you're out there, you're being productive in society, and then all of a sudden society failed you with the lockdowns. What people don't seem to understand is it's not like these people that were on substance for years or months or whatever, but mostly years, they built up a tolerance for this drug that they're currently taking when they were on it. So maybe they needed X amount of milligrams of this one drug. Right. They've been off of it for a year or however long they were off of it. Now society has failed them. They now go back to taking what they know, which is X amount of that drug. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, you know what? I've been off for a year. I better start slow. No, they go right back into what they're doing. <laughs> right. And then that's what and, causes death. And that's what causes death. Respiratory arrest and death. Yeah. Well, And so it's not just drugs, but the consequences of all of what we've done. I don't think, I really don't believe we've addressed. I mean, we talked about it and we said that we were going to kind of bring it up next time we spoke. So yeah. like child abuse in, from March to April, just the beginning of the pandemic, in the UK, in the United Kingdom, they found that 10, so it doesn't sound like a lot, 10 children were treated for suspected abusive head trauma at one hospital in London. Okay? The Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in London. 10 people. 10, yo- 10 children were treated for suspected abusive head trauma in Over a month's time, time, March 23rd, April 23rd, 2020. Okay, so one hospital for one month, 10 children. So you're thinking 10 kids. uh, Yeah. But previously, for the previous three years, the average, monthly average for such injuries was 0.67. Not even one. It wasn't even one month. In the previous month. Correct. Previously, there was less than one on average. Mm-hmm. For the previous three years, yeah, that's a big deal. That's so ten doesn't sound like a lot until you compare it to zero, and then you put children, head injury, trauma. Yeah, that's that's not good. Two yeah. parents reported delaying care because they feared infection with the coronavirus. Now. We've highlighted on a previous podcast that teachers are some of the first-line workers, and they're not seeing kids right now, as they used to. They'll see them on Zoom, but they're not seeing Johnny and you know Sally in school. Yeah, They're not seeing the mannerisms in their daily function, right? Um, the, but there's been some weird studies, right? So they... Uh, the lockdown allows researchers to quantify the effects of human activity on wildlife. <laughs> Published in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution. <laughs> so they explain that... Um, th- how do they say it? 
Um, let me find where it says the um, social media abounds with posts sharing surprisingly wildlife encounters during lockdown. Um, but some species, but for some species, the p- pandemic has created new challenges. Various urban dwelling animals like rats, gulls, or monkeys, which I didn't know that they were urban dwelling monkeys, oh, yeah. have become so reliant on food discarded or provided by humans that they're now struggling to make ends meet under current conditions because they get so reliant upon people feeding them yeah. <laughs> and nobody was feeding them because no one was coming around. Um, but then the endangered species were at higher risk of being poached because there wasn't a lot of people out there to protect them. You would also think there wouldn't be a lot of people out there that wanted them. Poachers are poachers, man. That's like saying there's less murder because murder is illegal. So getting back to the kids, (laughs) I'm just saying there's weird shit going on all over the place. Yeah. Emotionally, mentally, so a hospital seeing an here's the thing though, and this is what you're trying to get at: the hospital seeing an increased number of kids with trauma, head trauma, Mm -hmm. ten in one month. They would have been to that point if they were in school and teachers seeing something that was out of the normal, or if the parents were working. This could have just simply been because. Mom and dad are now stuck in the same apartment with kid or home or yeah. whatever. And they can't get away from each other, from the kid. The kid's now home because they're not in school. Mom and dad are at home all day long. Something might, you know, might break. Not the kid's head, I hope, God forbid. But emotions are going to get the best of these people. And maybe there's a proclivity for anger and aggression that just never was shown because it was able to be put aside while these people were at work. When was the last time you heard anything on the news about the impact and the impact of the shutdowns, the impact of decreasing volumes of people to the, to places that people like to go because of the increased risk of potentially spreading COVID. When have you heard anything? I've heard one little statement from Argo that said, you know, we need to get to school, but he has no agenda on how to do that. And I know he's fighting. I'm sure he's fighting the, 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 the teacher union. That's huge. Which we spoke about last time. Yeah. You know, these teachers need to, I mean, in my humble opinion, these teachers need to go back to school and they need to take the kids with them. Right. Again, no, I, I totally agree. I, I totally they're, agree. They're less likely, dude, they're less likely to be spreaders and less likely to be symptomatic. Most kids aren't asymptomatic. And if they have symptoms, it's one or two days, if at all, I, the issue there's, Hospitals, you know, it's funny that that RJ report. The funny thing about that is that they say, well, the hospital on the adult side, did he mention anything about the pediatric side? No, no, of course not. You know why? Because there's not an issue in the pediatric side because the pediatric. Well, there's an issue with abuse or whatever, but there's not an issue because of COVID. Correct. There's not that issue. 
but they only even, they didn't even highlight whether it was adult ICU versus pediatric ICU. They just strictly said ICU. Yeah, but I'm telling you, dude. I mean, and at 75%, if you said, okay, at 75%, the pediatrics at 75%. But yeah. it's not because of COVID. I can tell you that. No, that's true. Ch- children, listen, do I want my child to get COVID? No. If he got he gets COVID. And I guess the argument could be said, well, what if he passes it on to grandma? Well, he's not to grandma when he's having a fever. <laughs> Hopefully there's parents out there that can, and, and we've done this, but see, here's the other problem that I have too. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of parents that send their kids to school because they have to go to school because there's no way in hell they could take a day off of work. God right. forbid. Right. You got a cough, bye. Yeah. <laughs> got a fever. Here's some Tylenol. Now you don't have a fever, but you're going to school. I mean, there's, there was a lot. There's quite a few kids in my my son's elementary school that went every single day. Yes, absolutely. And I'm thinking to myself, how is that even possible? I have a son who has upper respiratory issues every now and then. Like mm-hmm. it's been a while. It's been probably a couple, at least a year, year and a half, maybe. I I feel he's growing out of that that. He doesn't have asthma, but I feel like the allergies things is not as bad. Okay. But he still missed school. Mm-hmm. Like if he didn't feel well, if he had a temp or whatever, I'm home. But there are parents out there. So that's the only thing that I would, I guess I would have some concern is, you know, what about those parents that just don't give it? That just like, well, they got to go. You would think and hope. I mean, obviously, the schools would have something in place. They, they probably would do. Te- they probably do a temperature check on the kids. But get a man. I'm telling you, there, there's huge impact. Kids are not fin- doing their schoolwork online. No, nobody's talking. That. Well, hold on one second. So everyone's talking about death rates of COVID, but I mentioned earlier that there's, you know however many death rates from drugs, 81,000 people between May to May, right? So if there's an increase of 20% of deaths, can those, why aren't those attributed to COVID? Because they're directly related to the reasons they're dying is because of COVID lockdowns. Yeah. Telling you, man, dude, it's, it's, it's really, it's really bad. And it's not being addressed. Hell, you know, Joe, surprisingly, Joe Rogan had said something that I thought was interesting. The other thing that's not being addressed is, okay, we know that COVID's out there. Okay, we know that people have comorbidities. Okay, we know all this. But where are the people out there saying, okay, this is what you need to take or this is what you need to do to help you prepare yourself for potentially getting it and not dying? Where Where are those people? Yeah. Where are the nutritionists coming on board saying, okay, guys, we got to stop eating a bunch of sugar. We got to stop eating crap. Right. I mean, how many of us have said, hey, I'm on my COVID diet? We've no. all put on, we've all put on weight. Everyone, every one of my patients has gained the COVID 15, including me. Yeah. We've all gained weight. Even though I suggested in the beginning of this year I was going to lose weight, I've actually gained weight, just like everyone else. Because we're bored it's, it's and we're right. eating. <laughs> but no, check this but, out. So, I can tell you, according to a study, that cardiac 
chest pain and uh, TIAs are decreased across the board in the U.S. by about 50%. Just because people don't want to come to the hospital because they're afraid of COVID. Yeah, because it's been misrepresented. <laughs> right. But the, yeah, my problem... Patients in there. We're no. just saying that we're not at max capacity because of it all. No. Correct. But my problem with all of that is that if that's the case, when are those deaths? Because these people are going to die now. They're going to die from cardiomyopathy or, you know, heart yeah, disease or heart sense, failure. They would be yeah, you, they would be contributed to COVID. But they never tested positive for COVID. So we're only, that's the problem is we're only looking at the death rates for people who tested positive. And there's a ton of other implications that have been created because of the draconian rules and regulations that are not scientifically, you know, found to be true and accurate that are causing death. You're causing death in people. And I don't know, it just seems unfair that all of these rules are causing like 80% of young people with a history of mental health issues have been reported to have worsening conditions. And we already know that mental health is poorly supported currently. So yeah. if 80% of these people have worsening conditions affected by the lockdowns and all the rules and the mask wearing, and then they end up having issues because of it, you know, irritability, depression, PTSD, whatever, changes of mood. They might have yeah. lost their job, anxiety for how they're going to pay their bills, how they're going to support their family, you know, because there's depressed people and people with, you know, mental conditions that aren't out there on the side of the road talking to themselves. There's rational human beings, normal people that have these things that function normally as long as they get their meds and they get their you know, counseling and they do what they're supposed to do. So are they going to die? Or are they going to hurt someone else? Is there going to be a problem? We don't look at yeah, that. I, no. Well, I, well, like I like the percentage of uh, frontline workers. You said that was increased. Yeah. Right. Right. No. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much PTSD is going to come out from this? Oh yeah. Tom. How many, how many nurses and physicians and, and CNAs and EVS workers, like like everybody that has to go into a room to care for one of these patients, especially in the beginning when it was super mm -hmm. stressful, are going to walk away a year after the fact saying, man, this last year was horrible for them. Right. And they're going to have symptoms. Or maybe they, maybe they catch COVID. And maybe they find out that they had a PFO or they find out that now they, their, their lungs are jacked up and they're going to be on oxygen for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Or, or they whatever. had a huge cancerous tumor and they luckily found it because we did an x-ray and they were able to find the tumor. Really? You've heard of that? One case that I know of. Yeah. Well, thank God for them. But I mean. But, you know, and of course, some some coworkers dying of COVID. True. You know, it's, it's been and, sad. And I mean, I've lost a few coworkers. Right? Yeah. Those are your friends or those are the ones you worked with. And now they're no longer there. There's a lot of emotional stress that is eventually going to come out at some point, if it hasn't already. 
And maybe we see it as frontline workers increase substance abuse. Yeah, right. And who has the most access to substances? Yeah. Nurses, doctors, they have, I mean, they're the high-risk category because they have access, right? But it's not being mentioned. I mean, it is, but it isn't. You know, everyone's so focused on the damn tests. We have 10,000 cases today. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. but How many of them are asymptomatic? 9,990. Oh, good. So really 10 people are the ones that we need to worry about. Like we, right. we're not even breaking down those numbers. We're not even breaking down how many tests were done compared to positives. Oh, and by the way, 10,000 cases is actually 8,400 because some of them have been repeated to the same person. Right. No one's talking about that. No. I just want to glob that whole number and just be like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, my wife looks at the COVID numbers daily. Daily. Because she wants to see a decrease in those numbers because that's what the local government in all 50 states is looking at to making their recommendations on what they should do moving forward on their restrictions. Right. But the cognitive dissonance was going to just create tension between like a belief that sacrifices people are making are necessary and a belief that uh, some of these behaviors may be causing more harm. So there's the juxtaposition between those two positions. And in my opinion, I think people are already locked into one way or the other, just like they are politically. The people either believe that COVID is killing everyone and there's a problem or because if you came out today and you said, okay, we, we've been wrong. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, eating high amounts of carbohydrates causes type two diabetes. We, you know, we're the American Diabetes Association. We're going to, we're going to change what we've done. We've told you for years, people will be like, eh, that's not true. You guys are wrong. If we say that about COVID, because we've been focusing on the lockdown and the masks, there's already people like you don't wear a mask somewhere. How many videos have you seen people attacking the non-mask wearing person for not wearing a mask as if they're a fucking alien or they're there to stab you? This person didn't walk in with a Uzi and shoot the place up. They're mouth breathers, and they walked into the building without a face diaper on. (laughs) And the entire place goes nuts, and they want to attack this person and persecute them. And they're killing grandma. They're killing people. They're going to kill everyone because they're breathing. If they were smart, they would leave. Not the person with the mask, but right. the mask. People but the people who are scared it. would walk away. But no, they chase this person, which is counterintuitive. Because you're supposed to social distance, yet they're right That's up next to the person. None of this shit makes any sense to me. 2020 is, is geopolitically charged, and it's charged with everything you can possibly think of thrown together to make this big steaming pile of just crap unfortunately well so so ultimately who's responsible for the so if you are drinking and driving and you wreck into somebody it's your fault right yeah well can the federal government be held liable for the deaths of people when they 
created a lockdown that didn't change anything, which we can't prove it did or didn't because they'll say it did. People would have died if we didn't do it. That's what they'll say. But the studies show that it's not beneficial because it's causing secondary issues. So can they be held liable for the damage done? They should be. Should be, but they won't be. That's like the new the new uh, vaccines, right? So the new vaccines show that, uh, first of all, they're not. There's no testing. There's no data to support safety. And they're only being utilized through the Emergency Use Act. Yeah. So there's... You know their, their waiver, you know, when you're signing the form, you're signing away probably a right to prosecute if anything happened to you, I'm sure. You don't have a right to prosecute for any vaccine anyway because Ronald Reagan signed that right law into law back in the 80s. So you're not allowed to, to sue a vaccine manufacturer. The federal government pays those fees. So if you sue because you got something damaged from a vaccine, the federal government is who pays that fine. So you might pay yourself if you're working. If you have a problem, I don't know. But I don't know. The amount of people running around with pictures of getting vaccines is just weird to me. I got the vaccine. I'm like, dude, you got half of the like vaccine. Almost like voting, right? Yeah. Look, I voted. But the V is for vaccine. Right. <laughs> like I saw a meme where the guy is like, Hey, he got the vaccine. And then the next was like, see, nobody cares. So no one cares. Like no one no one responded because he got the vaccine. No one cares. I mean, why why is the senators getting vaccinated? They shouldn't be. No. They're not at risk. They're not seeing patients. They're not they're elderly not in a home. They're not even going to work. But like Fauci got vaccinated and he doesn't he hasn't seen a patient in forty years. No, he's yeah. I think he's over eighty maybe. So Well, I, I think, you know, their their argument will be this. They they took the vaccination to show support and say that hey, the vaccination is is good is a good thing and you should get it. So It'd be one thing to say, you know, if the president said, everybody take the vaccination because it's going to save your life. I'm not going to, but you should. Correct. And I think people would would be pissed or upset and find a way to say, well, even even though we understand why he would not be the first to take it because he's obviously saying, well, I already had COVID, number one, and number two, I shouldn't take it because it really should go out to the people that need it the most. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I understand the argument. The problem is there's too many other people that are going to argue against that and say, well, if you're not taking it, I'm not taking it. I mean, how many people in a political, in a, not a political, how many people in a, in a, that have the ability to stand on a soapbox and say whatever they feel is their opinion on it. And they do. Yeah. No, everyone has an opinion, right? They're like assholes. They all stink. They all stink, right? (laughs) So like Whoopi and The View. I'm not taking that virus if it's coming from President Trump. But if it's coming from Biden, I'm going to take it because I trust Biden. Like 
what kind of horse shit is that all about? <laughs> you you have see this is the thing that's scary. You have this platform and you reach out to millions of viewers that watch that view or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're saying, you're saying shit that you can't possibly believe. Or I, I don't know because I don't ever watch that show. I don't know anything about it. But I, don't, I no 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 I, I don't watch it either. I'm just saying that's one of the snippets. Just like the same person saying, well, just like anybody. Well, you know, Dr. Jill Biden is a doctor, and I would put her as the attorney. You know, as the um, the attorney general, or not the attorney general, but the who's the the head of the who's the black guy? <laughs> Jesus, the black guy. You know the 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 young the surgeon general. Sir, yeah, I was that who you're trying to because she's a doctor. God, dude, who's the? <laughs> so there's a token black guy that's a doctor. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, what I'm saying is <laughs> she would be more comfortable putting Doctor Jill Biden in as the surgeon general because uh, she's a physician. I don't think she's a physician. physician. No, she's not. She has a doctorate in education or theology or some shit. I don't know. Some crazy shit. My point though is, is you're on a plan. Listen, we reach out to three people. We're not, we're not (laughs) moving the dial here. No, all three of our listeners stuff off the top of our head, but you have people in position that say stupid shit like that and sit here and, and sit here and and they wonder why people believe this stuff. But see, so if you compare the death, according to the CDC, the comparison group was the 18 to 29 year olds in 85 year old or older are 630 times more likely to die from COVID than an 18 to 29 year old, 630 times more likely 75 to 84 year olds were 220 times more likely and 65 to 74 year olds were 90 times more likely to die than the 18 to 29 year old group. They're the ones that should be getting the damn vaccines. I agree. If we're worried about death rates, we're worried about people dying. Texas, I think is starting to give the Texas. I think Florida are already giving it out to the 65 and older. That's good. And And they should. Yeah, absolutely. If they want it, you know, yeah, it's. I just want to know if the nanoparticles allow you to like get cool function. Like, can you gain X-ray vision or fly? Well, I'm hoping or communicate without a phone. Like, can yeah. I send thoughts? I think I have two more weeks of work before I get the the vaccination. I'll t- I'll let you know. Okay, please do. I'll hit you up on my thought uh, vision or whatever you want. Yeah, to I just want to know, can you activate the nanoparticles? Like, is there a, a button or, you know, and is there a microchip like everyone's worried about? Well, that you know, it's funny you say that. One of our physicians is like, hey, I just got the chip. Thanks, Bill Gates. <laughs> that was his post on Facebook. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Now, I don't think there's a <laughs> chip. Um, I really don't. I think that... Uh, it's probably a pretty good thing to get the you know to get the vaccine, but then again, there's no data. <laughs> yeah, there's no data. So I don't know. Even if there was data, there's still a lot. So someone asked me today, well, "What about all the anti-vaxxers? The anti-vaxxers are a big group of people. Not really. There's a small group of anti-vaxxers. 
when you look at the grand scheme of things of the 330 million people in the U.S., if there's 2 million anti-vaxxers, that's a small number. That's a very small number. So the irony is that even anti-vaxxers can be anti-vaxxers and benefit from the vast majority of people becoming immunized to a disease. Yeah, that's true. Because they'll benefit from herd immunity. Yeah. <laughs> so they can tout, not I didn't get the vaccine, I didn't get sick. Well, that's cool. You know, and you're not going to. You're not surrounded by. Now, if you didn't get vaccinated against, I don't know, some disease that's prevalent in South Africa or Africa, and then you go to Africa where they're not vaccinated against whatever, good chance you're going to get it. But if you stay in like Denver, Colorado, yeah, good chance you're not going to, you don't need to be vaccinated against whatever that is. Yeah. Because you're not going to get it. Your proximity to it is lessened because of the people around you being, you know, vaccinated or having had it and recovered from it. Yeah. In due time, everybody will have had it or recovered from it. And those, you're absolutely right. Those anti-vaxxers will be, see, I never got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never, they're the the same people that'll be like, my uncle's brother's nephew smoked for 70 years, never got cancer. Never until he quit. He quit smoking, fucking got cancer. He got the cancer. You know, I'm like, dude, no, he probably had cancer. Didn't just show up because he quit. Like, smoking wasn't keeping it at bay. I'm just saying. Yeah. However, I mean, I've been back and forth on the whole vaccine thing. And I, I'm going to be mandated. It's going to be mandated that I get it. Not mandated as in you get it or else. But it's going to be, if you want to work here, you're going to get the vaccine. Yeah. If you want to see patients in the hospital, you're going to get the vaccine. If you want to go to a football game, you're going to have to have the vaccine. Yeah, I'm not cool with that. I'm not, I'm not down with that whole, no. Mm-mm. Not cool. I think Green Bay this weekend had people in their, now it was snowing out, but they had people in their stadium. They were frontline workers that got vaccinated. They allowed them to come to the game. You know, some of them. But they only got one of the half of the vaccine. You got to have both. I and then you have to have time to build up. Nobody's talking about that. T-cells to like, you know, be able to defend against it. Just because you got the shot doesn't mean all of a sudden you're super immune to everything. Oh, well, that's what I, I'm explaining to everybody right now. Is like, just because you get the shot doesn't mean that you're not going to, you potentially can't die from the disease. You still can. It's because you get the flu shot every year doesn't mean you were not going to get the flu. You can still get the flu. Guess what? The flu shot was for the, the other virus. <laughs> Just because you wear a helmet doesn't mean when you wreck your motorcycle at 80 miles an hour, you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. Come on now. You kidding me? Did you know that um, 80% of all COVID deaths in the U.S. are age 65 and older? Did you know a human 80%. brain weighs seven pounds? <laughs> okay, Jerry Springer, Maguire, whatever it was. Was it Maguire? Jerry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Springer, Maguire. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with uh, a wrap-up to the day's events in the insanity that was Christmas this year. Let's see if we can do this. So we'll go into commercial thing. Thank you. 
Automatically unbiased. So, it's a fast hour and a half right there. Just wanted to touch base with you. How was your Christmas, man? It was good. It was, was good. It? I, Did yeah, you have to work or take some time off? I actually was off. I've, I've been off since Wednesday. That's kind of nice. I was off for, I don't know, I was off Friday. I was off Christmas Day. Yeah. But it was a three-day weekend, so, you know, you can't beat it. No, you cannot. I uh, um, got some extra sleeping in, which was nice. Uh, probably much needed, huh? I don't know about needed, but desired <laughs> would be the term. Needed, probably not. But uh, desired was definitely the word for it. Good. So I let the kids uh, play with all their new toys, and then I take a nap. Oh. I, oh. Nothing like an afternoon nap on Christmas. Yeah, the irony is that adult childhood uh, you know, penalties or childhood punishments or adult desires, go to your room, take a nap, go to bed early, you know, <laughs> all these things are like, as an adult, hell yeah, it's cool. I get to go to bed early and take a nap. I say that, yeah, you're right, because I've said some things to my children, and I'm like, I know I would be like, okay, Dad, I'm going <laughs> with that, but they're, Aah! yeah, they fight it the whole time. Like, my kids are like, I don't want to go to bed, and then you put them in bed, and 30 seconds later, they're like, <sighs> they're, out. they're out. I'm like, I told you, you were tired. Wake well, up. We, now, and then you start waking them up just to piss them off. We have, I take my kids to hockey, and they have a little practice, and we have, we get up, we, the parents, get up at 5.30 <laughs> so we can wake them up at a quarter to 6 so we can have them dressed and ready to go by 6, 6.10 so they can be there at 6.30. Well, the Jeez. night before, we keep telling them, hey, we got to get up early. <laughs> oh, I'm not tired. But do you, okay, do you want me to cancel? No, I want to go. Okay, well, then you need to go to bed. Well, they go to bed at 10, and then it's 5.45, and it's cold. <laughs> I don't know why my kids sound like old men, but they do. <laughs> and so the, you know, that's the, that was the struggle this morning. Well, and I, I want to know who invented that fucking elf. I'm not a fan of that person. Well, you have one of those elves? A couple of options this year, Tyler, you could have put him in quarantine. Yeah. A friend of mine did that. She literally put him in a Tupperware container so he's quarantined for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, Stanley, that's the name of our elf. He does come by. Does he? See, I think it's the same person that invented the pet rock back in the day. Useless. Yeah. Very rich. Yeah. Absolutely useless. You know? But the kids are all like, where'd the elf go? And you forget to move him. And you're like, oh, I forgot to move the elf. They're like, he didn't move. I'm like, I think he's stuck. You know, like you come up with arguments. Yeah, I think I think he got stuck in the mini blinds or something. You can't move from the window. Well, my kids are they absolutely believe in Santa. Who? And they should. And they should. And Santa. I mean who? <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh I'm kinda glad that Christmas is over and that um Things are moving forward, and we'll be moving to 2021, so I'm anxious for a new year, but I honestly don't think much is going to change for a while. So I asked this on my podcast 
this past uh, Sunday night. I asked this question. I said, so what is your 2021 resolu- New Year's resolution going to be mm. for, for your podcast? Mm-hmm. I was talking specifically for my podcast. What, what is your New Year's resolution? What do you have plans for this year on your podcast? Because you've, you've done quite a few episodes. You, know, you must be very proud because most people that do Thanks. podcasts or start a podcast only last seven episodes. Yeah, we're we're up past twenty, so we've been doing good. But a lot of I think a lot of it's been driven by COVID, so it's been easy. If we had to come up with new material, it might be so easy. Now I think uh, for the my my desire for the podcast is to be, you know, to to do another like thirty podcasts this next year. That'd be the goal to do thirty podcasts. And personally, I need to lose. I need to lose a hundred pounds, but I'd like to lose a minimum of 60 by December this time next year to be a minimum of 60 pounds lighter. I would, my goal would be a hundred pounds lighter next year. It's obtainable. It's obtainable, but it's going to take some work. So I'm here with you. Bob. That's my goal. What's yours? If you go, I go, uh, <laughs> for the podcast, I'd like to see, I agree. I I think we need, I would like to see like a new segment, I think. Yeah. We haven't really gotten anybody to email us at uh, info at medically unbiased. That's all right. Even the haters, they have an email. They don't have time. But most of the time, if you give hate mail, you're doing something right. So maybe we're not doing something right. Have we received anything on Twitter? Yes. We we had a share from a young woman and shared stuff on our Twitter page and i've been pretty active on there talking with a bunch of different physicians and dietitians that are really into the low carb community and uh advocating for different yeah. measures and different so, diets. yeah plans. i would like to see i would totally like to see a diet maybe a little diet um segment or something okay we can add especially something yeah especially if we're doing if we want to lose weight I think we want to, we need to talk a little bit about exercise. I, you know, I'm not that. I drive by two gyms on my way to work. I'm good. I'm good too. (laughs) Picking up the coffee cup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I did get a new coffee cup. I felt pretty good about it. So that was cool. Um, What else? Did you get anything good for Christmas? No. Huh? Did you get anything good for Christmas? Would you get a good gift for Christmas? Cause see my wife and I guess what we don't do. We don't buy each other Christmas gifts. No. Everyone thinks it's weird, but guess what? Throughout the year, if I need it or she needs it, we just get it. And at Christmas, we make it about the kids. Yes. And you, yes, absolutely. And you, but you, when you want something, you just buy it anyways. Correct. So it's, I don't wait. It's hard for your wife to find something for you because you probably already bought the damn thing. Yeah. And same with her. Why would it be any different? Well, really, I'm I'm freaking in my 40s. I'm not waiting for shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas I, comes and goes, and it's all about the kids for us. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Ask, there was nothing I asked for that I, I I did not ask her for anything that I was expecting. Oh, there you go. Meaning, what was under the tree was something that either she had maybe overheard me say, or not, or whatever. Right. Yeah, like I got a. A watch, um, some golf balls, 
like the golf. I mean, oh, you know, the stereotypical stuff. dad stuff. You got oh, the, yeah. You got dad stuff. That's cool. I got Chicago, Chicago Bears t-shirt. There you That's go. Nice. But as far as like me personally for my, you know, 2021, yeah, I'd like to lose not 100 pounds, man. That would that would put me about a buck 20. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pass on the hundo, but uh, I, no, I need a hundred 40. 40. Yeah. Okay. You shoot for 40. I'll shoot for a hundred and we'll see where we end up. We'll have sure to look back on this podcast in a year and see what we end up. Yeah. Because we've said this in the past that we we're going to lose weight and we did a little and then COVID was really big. And that's my excuse anyway, is that COVID's here, but honestly my life didn't change. So I just July made it 4th. as an excuse. Yeah. Right. I know we started July 4th. And I got into August doing keto. I could tell you, I can't do keto coffee. Tearing my stomach up, dude. Is it? Yeah. I haven't had any pain or anything from the I'm, one I I'm going to try. Coffee. I'm going to try meat, only meat in January. Ooh, I like that. Meat only. What do they yep. call that? Car- carn- the carnivore diet. I'm going to try that diet Ooh, in like January it. for fun. So we'll have to report on that. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you had a great year. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and uh, stay away from the coronavirus, would you, people? Because I hear it's bad for you. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.